The church needs to be ready. So let's get our Bibles out. Now, first of all, if you don't have your Bible in church, that's a problem. Amen? I think it's a problem. And I'm not pointing out it, but everybody gets your Bible out on your phone or on your tablet. But we need to have the Word of God in our hand. Amen? And we'll put it up on the screen. But we need to have the Word in our heart, guys. If we're not reading our Bible, it's a problem. This is the only thing that can grow you. Prayer can't grow you. I'm telling you. The occults pray. Witches pray. New Agers pray. Satanists pray. But they don't have the word. This is what transformed us. Then we pray based out of this. We worship out of this. This is called the word of life. Jesus is called the word. This is called the bread. Jesus is the bread. This is what grows us. And so let's open our Bibles today. But anyway, this morning I want to just share with you, uh, first of all, just some conditions and signs. Turn to 2 Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 3. And you want to maybe do a little chain link, link them all together, because if you're ever studying end times. But these are conditions of the last days. And 2 Peter 3, 3 says, Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. One of the signs of the last day is people are going to mock, make fun of, jeer at the coming of the Lord Jesus. And saying, verse 4, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 4, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue. Oh, I, I mean, I, I know of Christians that mock, the, they, they say they were Christians, that mock the coming of the Lord. But Jesus Christ is coming back. Amen. Then turn over to Matthew chapter 24, <clears throat> verse 10, right in the middle, chapter 24 and 25. 21, all connect together. Jesus explicitly talks about the last days, the end of times. I've preached on it. I'm not going to today. But I just want to share some conditions, some signs. Verse 24, 10. And then many will be offended. The Bible says don't be easily. We are living in a time of offense. Well, that offends me. We've got PC so far up everything. I mean, come on now. PC, we, we can't walk outside and say anything without offend. Well, that offends me. That shirt offends me. That hat's, get over it. But the time in which we live, the Bible predicts we will live in a time of offense. Get on Facebook, man. Everybody's offended. You don't have the right as Christians to be offended. The only reason why you're offended is because of your pride. Because you think that you deserve something. You deserve to take up your cross and follow Jesus. You don't deserve anything. Come on now. We deserve to die daily. And so the problem is in the time that we live, there's this, this spirit of offense. And many will be offended. We'll betray one another and will hate one another. I mean, there's so much angry and hatred towards people. The comments that they make and, and the politics. There's just so much venom in our world right now. That is not the spirit of God. That is not the spirit of Christ. And what happens is, is that we don't, uh, if we're in that in the world and we bring it in the church, the same thing begins to happen. We've been studying 1 John, I mean clearly 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. The proof of abiding in God is our love for one another. Not the love for the world, but love for the brethren. And as we come in, guys, we, we are commanded, it's demanded of us that we love the brethren. I, I got a phone call last week, and someone was coming to our church, and, and they were talking about, first of all, just how friendly our church was. But they also said that they could sense, they felt the anointing of love. They felt the presence of God. They felt the presence of God's love in our church. 
And if you're here this morning and you don't feel apart, the Bible says you must be friendly to have friends. That means you can't just sit there. You've got to get out of your seat too. You don't sit there and wait for someone to come to you. You get up and love on others. As Christians, we're bound to love one another because we love Him. Abiding in God is abiding in love. That's how we know. And so we've got to, do you understand? So we've got to understand that we're, we're swimming upstream against the culture in which we live. We're swimming in a cross current. Satan is the ruler of the world in which we live. He's influencing entertainment, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TV, movies. Satan is influencing and running those things. So as Christians, we are cross-current. We are going against the grain. We've got to be aware that the last times, I mean clearly, talking about the last times we see these things happening. And these aren't even the great signs. These are just things I just sharing. There's way better signs than these. But just ones that come to do, happen, happen to do with the passage I'm talking about today. Verse 12 of Matthew chapter 24. And because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Go to Walmart. You know, when I was growing up, you sit out in the front yard, people drove by, everybody did this. Right? Today you walk in Walmart, it looks like a bunch of zombies. Don't look at anybody, don't look at anybody, don't look at anybody, don't look at anybody. No one, no one will look at each other. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe we're afraid that if we, someone we smile at another person, they'll think that we're hitting on them or gay or something. I don't know. We're trying to take their money. But we live in such a time that we can't even look at one another in a store and smile. Now, that's excluding Paula. <laughs> Paula will run the zombies down. But there's, this, there's, this, there's this, this current of anger, current based on, the Bible says, because of the lawlessness a current coming at us to, to, for this hatred and this lack, this disconnect from other people, disconnect from community. Jude 18, let's go there, turn to Jude. Jude 18, 18 and 19. Far back, right before Revelations, right? Page 389. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause division. Who cause division. Who cause division. Someone who is abiding in Christ, walking in love, does not cause division in the church. Someone who is flesh-led, carnal, causes division. People who are gossiping, causing division, fighting and arguing, causing division, are not walking in the Spirit, but they are walking in the flesh. They have their own agenda to be in charge. They have their own agenda that they want, instead of being led by the Spirit and loving, they have their own agenda driven by their flesh. Now, I'm not talking about anybody. I'm not picking anybody out. I'm reading a passage. Can I get an Amen. But we need to understand, guys, that if we, if we don't want to be that person that causes division in a body of Christ, this is Christ's body. It's not my body. It's His church. 
He loves this bride. You here today, God loves you. Jesus loves you so much that he died for you. And when we cause division in his body and, and, and cause turmoil to boil, you are going against Christ. Listen, be careful what you post online, folks. We'll be accountable for every word that we say and every word that we post. 2 Timothy 3.1 But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Bad times are coming. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. How do we know if I love money? If you're not tithing and generous, well, I don't believe in tithing. Well, are you giving as Christ gave to you? Which is way more than 10%. Way more than 10%. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, teenagers. If you are not obeying your parents, you are in rebellion. I thought the parents would give me a bigger amen than that. <laughs> Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I'd rather go play golf than go to church. I'd rather go get in my boat than go to church. I'd rather do other things that fill my flesh than be committed to Christ. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. That's religion. Where we deny the transformational power of the word of God and a relationship with Jesus Christ. Matthew 24, 24. Turn back over to Matthew. For false Christ and false prophets will rise... And show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. We as believers must be Bereans. We must be aware of who we are listening to and what we are watching. There's coming a time, even to the point of possibly deceiving, the Bible says, even the elect. How do I keep from that? I get in the Word of God. Luke chapter 21, verse 11. There will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilence. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. And there will be great earthquakes in various places. There's been more earthquakes now happening across the world than ever before. For those of you that are pro-climate change... The Bible predicts climate change. But it isn't from carbon. One volcanic eruption, look at the science. One volcanic eruption is equal to all the carbon that we've made as humans. But it doesn't change, doesn't change anything. The ash in the air might. Can, come on now. I think dumping our garbage in the ocean is not being a good steward. Let's talk about that instead of carbon emissions. Let's talk about the huge barges that we take out in the middle of the ocean in the garbage patch and just dump and dump and dump and nobody says anything because the money behind it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't fit with the news media. Where there's more plastic in the ocean than plankton. 
But the Bible predicts in Revelations, look at it, that one-third of all the, all the trees will die, then all the grass. That one-third of all the water in the oceans will be spoiled, become dead man's blood, then all of it will be. It's clim- God's got climate change planned as part of his judgment. I believe Satan is feeding that lie. So when these things begin to happen, they're going to say, oh, look at the climate change, and have an excuse instead of repenting and turning to Christ. I believe in climate change, but I believe God is going to be the one doing it. Now turn with me to the passage that I really want to speak on today. Matthew chapter 24 and 25. Setting the, setting the stage for Matthew 24, 25. Everybody say, be ready. Say, be ready. The last half of chapter 24, Jesus is, well, actually the whole chapter 24, Jesus is talking about the last days. They say, Jesus, what would be the sign of your coming? And he goes through it. You can read it when you get home. The last part of, uh, of 24, before we get here, Jesus talks about the, the fig tree, the parable of the fig tree. The fig tree, the day before, Jesus cursed. And it immediately withered. And then now, the day later, he's talking about the fig tree. And the fig tree represents the nation of Israel. Now, we are blessed to be in a time that Israel is a nation. But before the 1940s, there was no Israel. Look at the person next to you and say, there was no Israel. All the Bible scholars that uh, that were anti-Scripture, they would say, look at the Bible, there's no Israel. How can these prophecies be? There is no Israel. Well, guess what God did in the 1940s? Israel was birthed as a nation. Never in history was a nation non-existent. Birthed. And it has now one of the number one economies, one of the top armies. Uh, They file more patents than anybody else. They have a thriving economy. Why is that? Because God has blessed the nation of Israel because of Abraham. And if you are anti-Semitic, you are against God. Can I get an amen? Amen. I'm not saying you can say that everything they do is right, but you need to bless the nation of Israel. So let's turn it here. We're in uh, chapter 24. And Jesus is finishing up talking about the end times. And he gives three parables. But let's begin with chapter 24 and verse 42. Watch therefore, verse 42, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming... But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready. Everybody say, be ready. ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Jesus is coming back. And we do not know the hour. It's imminent. There's nothing standing in the way of the return of the Lord Jesus. And after talking about his second coming and talking about the signs of his coming, Jesus says, be ready. Everybody say, be ready. ready. Come on, I want you to say it with some enthusiasm. Say, be ready. ready. Come on, yeah, say, be ready. ready. Because this whole passage, these next two chapters, it's all about the church being ready, being ready for his return. Then he gives some examples. Who is then a faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over his household, to give them food in due season. So he's over the household to feed the the family. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you, he will make him ruler over all his goods. So this is a positive thing. 
For those of us that are being faithful as you are serving the Lord, when the Lord comes back, He's going to bless you. He's going to elevate you to a position of rulership in the kingdom. We believe will be the millennial reign and then eternity. In the millennial reign, we are going to rule with Christ and He's going to elevate us to this, this place of rulership for being faithful. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards. In other words, if you're a believer, you need to act like a believer. If you're in Christ, be in Christ. You can't go out and hang out with, with the unsaved in bars. I'm not saying you can hang out with the unsaved to save them, but you can't go out and hang out with the drunkards to drink. Can't go out gambling with those that gamble. Can't do what the sinners do as believers. Servants. So the master of the servant will come on that day when he is not looking for him. And at an hour when he is not aware of. And will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Servant. That will be cut in two. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell is a dark place. How is it dark and has fire? I don't know. But the Bible says there will be weeping. In other words, the pain will be so bad, inconsolable. The Bible talks about the tongue swelling in the mouth. The worms eating the flesh. You say, well, I don't know. But, well, you better, you better know. Because if I'm right and you're wrong, it's an eternity in hell. If you're right and I'm wrong, nothing happens. We're all dead like dogs. But I have an assurance in my heart. I know that I know. Amen. Flipping your Bibles over to Matthew. I'm going to read you one of the scariest passages to anybody who says I'm a Christian and goes to church. Matthew 7, 21. I think if we had some crooked preachers in here and they read this passage, it would scare them. Hopefully straight. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, there's going to be people who cry out to God and say, Lord, Lord, aren't going to go to heaven. People believe they come down and say a sinner's prayer and that's it. No, 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 no. You've got to work out your salvation of fear and trembling. Without holiness, you will not see the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Well, Pastor Bobby, you're preaching awful hard today. Trying to pull some people out of the flames. Amen. Not only here, but we have a lot of people to watch. There's a lot of people thinking that a Christian, that I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I give. I do these things. I'm a good person. No, 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 no. That don't work. Lord, Lord, shall enter. Uh, let me start. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven... Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Woo, we got in church, we prophesied. Spoke in tongues and prophesied. Cast out demons. Who? In your name and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness 
Amen. Turn back over to 24. So the first one is the evil servant versus the good servant. And I know, I, I realize we're going we're gonna to be a little bit longer today. Is that okay? Well, if not, it's okay. And we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> I, I think this is vital. It's, it's so vital to the church. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Who's the bride? It's us, the body. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumber and slept. And at midnight cry, I heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there, be, should, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready. Everybody say, Be ready. Those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. How am I to be ready? Faithfulness and serving the Lord and reading your Bible and prayer and spiritual disciplines. Not as a work, but out of a relationship with Jesus Christ because you love him and his spirit is put inside of you. It's every moment of every day in the car praying and worshiping and following the Lord Jesus. Not working to get in heaven, but because I have a relationship out of love for him. And after the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, As surely I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Jesus is saying to the bride, Be ready. Come on, say it with me. Say, Be Let's try it one more time. All right? Look at the person next to you and say, come on, now this time with some enthusiasm, real loud. One, two, three. Be ready. Be ready. <laughs> and then the last parable. Three parables all talking about, at, right after Jesus talks about his coming, all applying to the church and what we should do because he is coming. It's imminent. Any moment, there's nothing standing between us and the rapture. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them, and one of them, one, one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, he, uh, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. God will bless us. Listen, if you see somebody that's blessed and doing things, it's based on God's choice. You don't compare yourself to other people. You compare yourself to what God's called you to do. You're not going to do what I, I, I'm called to do. And I'm not going to do what you're called to do. You do it what God's called you to do. According to your ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. 
So he who had received the five talents came and brought five of the talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Enter into the joy of your Lord. God is not looking for how smart you are or all the things that you have. God is looking to see if you will be faithful with what he's given you. You don't have to measure up to anybody else, but what do you have in your possession? What do you have in your hands? What do you have that God has given you? If you've taken it and put it in the ground, have you taken it and you've used it for his kingdom? That's what he's looking for. To hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Have you been faithful? That's the question. And as pastor, you know the thing is, like, you know, as, a, as a person, if we're one-on-one, I, I don't want to go around slapping everybody around challenging everybody i don't go out to eat with jeff and say jeff you're going to hell you need, but you know i don't do that jeff what have you done with your talents are you no but when i'm standing here as pastor it is my job to proclaim the truth of god's word and there are those who are not using and being faithful with what god has given them in their time talents and all the things that god has blessed them with can i get an amen, amen. and you will stand before the lord for that listen to this Okay, it goes on. Here, here it goes. Verse 24. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. Now that's their view to God, and it's not God, not God's attributes. And, and verse 25, and I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. But, but his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew what I reaped where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So at least do something. So let, you put it in the bank, you don't even have to do anything. You're just doing the very basic. Just put it in the bank and let the bank take care of the interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then he talks about the judgment. Can I get Sarah up on the keyboard? Church, we got to be the church. Everybody hold your hands out like this. Could we be the terminal generation? Next week, if the economy crashes, if Yellowstone erupts and the economy crashes, will you serve him? Because a lot of Americans, when something bad happens, they have someone die or something, they have a tragedy, they turn their back from God and run. Will you be faithful? If someone came in, I was thinking, that if someone came in here and shot up the church, would you be faithful still? 
What are you doing with what God has given you? Are we using everything that we have? You know, I mean, I, I, mean, I believe God wants to bless us. I do, I do believe that. But He's not blessed us for us. He's blessed us for other people. Would you bow your heads just for a minute?